The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. While the ushers are distributing the study sheets, let's please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Well, everyone should have found 1 Peter chapter 2 by now. Let's read, beginning at verse number 20. For what glory is it if, when you be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if, when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of our our Lord Jesus Christ, and just pray that we would live up to that example, that we would follow his admonitions. And Lord, that we would strive to live our life at peace with all men, And behave as you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Bless us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thus far in our study, we've we've looked at six divine calls from God. We looked at the call unto salvation, the call unto sanctification, the call unto service, the call unto separation, the call unto sonship, and the call unto subjection. Now this morning, I would like to look at A seventh call, and that is our call to suffer. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 40, uh, we read, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now, Before we can discuss our call to suffer, we first need to identify what this means. You can't can't do something if you don't understand what you're being asked to do, right? So, in the context of Scripture, uh, I believe that our call to suffer is not a call unto physical suffering, though this certainly could be the case. Uh, consider Fox's Book of Martyrs. How many of you have, have ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? Without, without a doubt, Christians have suffered atrocious things throughout the centuries. Men were literally burned at the stake. Their tongues were cut out. Their, 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 they, they suffered unthinkable, unimaginable pain and anguish. In, in some third world countries, men physically suffer for their faith. 
in a lot of the Islamic nations, people will be put to death if they, if they follow Jesus, and, and they truly suffer. Uh, I often tell people, when we in America say we suffer, we dishonor the suffering that really takes place around this world, the physical suffering that takes place around this world. What do we suffer? We, we had to take a pay cut, or, or uh, our, our washer and dryer quit working, or, uh, or the fridge is on the fritz. Oh, we're suffering for Jesus. We don't suffer in this country. We really don't. Uh, and, and if we do feel like we suffer, it's because of our own selfishness and our, and our own lack of willingness to endure hardships. So, over the, over the centuries, men have been beaten, tortured, even slain for their faith. But that's not what the Bible is talking about when it talks about our call to suffering. In our modern translation, this would be a call to endurance. As Christians, we are called to endure. All that will befall us by virtue of our role as a child of God. All of the ridicule that we will receive. All of the injustices. All of the inequities. All of this must be endured while we maintain a spirit of love, peace, and joy. And this is what, this is what the call to suffering is. It's, it's a call to endure. And, and we do, as, as believers in America, we do endure injustices, don't we? I'm often amazed at how people, uh, people claim they have their rights. I made a statement a while back, and I'm, I was met with a lot of disdain by some of my fellow workers. I said, the only group in this country that is truly discriminated against are believers. And boy, one of them said, well, you figured that. I said, well, I'm a taxpayer. I can't even send my children to school to be taught about God. The, the schools that I support with my tax money, I don't have, they don't have a right to hear about God, but the new California textbooks coming out are going to, are going to portray homosexuality as a legitimate lifestyle. So, we are discriminated against, are we not? We are in America. We are very highly discriminated against. Maybe not at gunpoint, maybe not at threat of, of lashings, but we're still discriminated against. And as believers, we are called by the Lord Jesus Christ to endure these discriminations. We're called to endure these things. In Acts chapter 7, verse 59 and 60, we read, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen uh, endured the type of suffering we're talking about. He, he took the hatred. He took the, the, the discrimination. He took the persecution. And yet he held no ill feelings. He, was, he, he, he continued to to exist in his, in his joy and the peace that he had in the Lord. And that's what we're called to do. Could, could, could you be as Stephen? I don't know if I could. I'd like to stand here this morning and say, yes, I could, but I, I don't know that I could. I might lose my temper. I might, have, I might have started picking up stones and throwing them back. I don't know. But Stephen 
Stephen endured what was laid before him by the Lord and he looked up to the Lord Jesus and he, and he said, Lord, receive my spirit. To help us answer the question, could we, could we suffer for our faith? Could we suffer for it? Could we endure the hardships without bitterness or without remorse? To answer this question, <coughs> I'm going to remind us of three aspects considering our call to suffer, considering our call to endure. Number one, <coughs> This morning, I want us to understand our suffering is appointed. Now, everybody here needs to understand something. You are going to suffer persecutions. You are going, your, your, your faith is going to be tested. You are going to be tried. Not might, not maybe, you will be. You young people in this room, Right now, life for you is, is really, really nice because you're in with your parents and your parents are protecting you and they're providing you with love, but you're going to grow, you're going to uh, go to school, college, you're going to graduate, you're going to marry, you're going to have a family and you're going to be in the world and no one's going to be there to protect you and you are going to face the realities of the persecutions of this world. I used to really enjoy the fact that we had a Christian school where our children could come and they were sheltered from all of those kinds of things. But at the same time, I used to say to myself, you know, these kids are going to grow up and go into the real world. And boy, are they ever in for a shock. But our suffering is appointed. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 7, the Lord says, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Now the Lord did not say here that maybe offenses would come. He didn't say that they might come. He said they must needs be that offenses come. It is a foregone conclusion that Christians will suffer tribulations. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul writes, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. Again, Paul didn't say, if you live godly for Jesus, you might be persecuted. He didn't say, if you live godly for Jesus, you might suffer uh, injustices. He said, everyone that will live godly will suffer persecutions. And we need to get ready for it. You need to expect it. You need to understand it. Our suffering is appointed. Now, now, given the truth that we are going to suffer, that we are going to be persecuted, that we are going to face difficulties as God's children in this world, how should we react in those moments? Well, let me, let me give you a, a couple of thoughts. How should you react when... These injustices come. How should you react when the persecution comes? Well, first, letter A in your sheets, take it to God in prayer. Take it to God in prayer. Don't, don't, don't have a knee-jerk reaction. My daddy used to call it biting your tongue. When, when, we were, when I was a boy and we, we were at dinner and, and we were eating the meal, and discussions became a little heated sometimes. Uh, my daddy knew me. I'm, I'm a very opinionated person. 
And Daddy used to look at me and say, Boy, put some food in your mouth. He would say that right away to me. Put some food in your mouth. That might be why I got to be almost 300 pounds at one point in my life. I'm not sure. But we were at home one day, and my, my, my two daughters and my wife were all at it about something, and I looked over at my son, and he looked like he was about to say something. I said, boy, put some food in your mouth. And that became the saying at our home. Even now, when, we, the, when all of us get together, and we're all at the table, uh, even my son-in-law, I'll look at him and say, put some food in your mouth. Um, but when, when, when these things happen to you, take it to God in prayer. Don't, don't react. It's always better to respond, but to respond takes time. You have to go away and think about it, and you have to formulate a response. Don't just react. Go to the Lord. Pray about it. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Paul said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And, and listen, don't go to God in prayer as a last resort. That's what a lot of people do. A lot of people try to draw upon their own experiences, their own, their own understanding to, to react to situations and to try to resolve situations. Listen, God is not the fix-all. Uh, you don't go to him as the last resort. <clears throat> you, go, you make him the first priority. Over the years, when I've had to make decisions concerning my family, or maybe what's happening on my job, or, or something such as that, I don't say anything until I've taken time to go to God and pray about it, and earnestly pray about it. And I have found over the years that most of the time, God presents me with the solution, and then I can, I can respond in accordance to his will for me. Take it to God in prayer. Letter B. What do you do in those times when, when you're facing difficulties or hardships? Letter B. Seek wise and godly counsel. Seek wise and godly counsel. You know, most of the time, most of the, most of the over the years... Most of the decisions I made that gave me the most trouble were decisions I made without seeking counsel. Sometimes I figured, well, I'm not going to go bother the pastor with this because I know what to do. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily even spend time in prayer about it because I knew what to do. It's not a big deal. And it always came back to bite me. And... We need to learn to seek counsel. But not, not seek counsel from, from the wrong people, but seek godly counsel. Seek wise counsel. Proverbs chapter 24, and verses 5 and 6, Solomon writes, A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. I, I've, tried to, I've tried to live by that phrase, and I, I, I taught that to our, our children in school often, that, that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Um, we need to learn to, 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 to form around yourself a council of, of advisors. 
pick out some, some people in, in your church, pick out some people, some believers that you know, that by their life are an example of, of, of righteousness and holiness, and make those people your council of advisors. I've got a certain group of people. When, when I need to make a decision, I go to those men. I go, I go to the pastor. I go to Brother Gary. I, I used to go to um, Brother Grant, but Brother Grant is no longer here. And, and I have men. I got, I've got some friends back home. Brother, Brother Gilbert is a good advisor to me and, and some pastor friends that I have that I've formulated over the years. And I will, I will counsel with these men. And before I counsel with these men, I always pray, God, I'm going to counsel with these men. Please give them the wisdom to counsel me according to your will. Then I go to those men and I seek their counsel and I abide by their counsel. If I, if I have to do something and I counsel with these, with these four men that I, that I regularly counsel with, and if, if any one of them comes back with a, with a response that I shouldn't do it, I don't do it. You say, well, it's three against one. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if, one is, if one thinks there's something wrong with it, I respect these men. If one thinks there's something wrong with it, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go back to prayer, and I'm going to go back to counsel, and I'm going to continue to seek that time when the Lord gives me that positive answer. So, seek wise and godly counsel. You ladies in the church, maybe it's going to be some of, some of the women in the church that you have great respect for. I think the pastor should be in everyone's council of advisors. I think your pastor, no one has a heart for you like your pastor, by the way. God knit your pastor's heart to you. And listen to me, he always has your best interest. You understand that? Now, I realize there's some bad pastors around this country, but we don't have a bad pastor, do we? We have a great man of God, a man that God has called and has given a heart for this church and for us as people. The pastor should always be number one in your council of advisors. So seek wise in godly counsel. Surround yourself with men who love and honor God. Ask their advice in matters of importance. Then follow the advice you are given. Proverbs twelve fifteen. Solomon said, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Don't ever be too proud to, to seek advice. Uh, that, that's a real problem with a lot of people. They're too, they're, they're too proud to submit themselves and, and, and ask someone else for advice. So, seek wise and godly counsel. Then, then let her see on your sheet, wait on God. Wait on God. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Wait on God. What is the biggest problem that we face? It's impatience. We're an instant. You, know, you realize we live in an instant world? I mean, you come home from work and you forgot to, take, to, to thaw out something.
And we've become an impatient people. I mean, I remember when personal computers first came out. I used to come to church here in the morning and we had an old computer in the office. I'd turn it on, I'd go in the kitchen, I'd brew coffee, fry me an egg, have breakfast, go in. It was still, it was still booting up. 15, 20 minutes for that thing to boot. Now, you turn your computer on, three seconds later, what's going on? Why aren't you booted up yet? We, we're so, we've become so instant. News is instantaneous. Everything's instant right now, right away. And what it has done is produced a generation of impatient people. Um, my dad used to tell me, son, when you go to buy a car, don't buy it the same day you looked at it. Go home, think about it, sleep on it. Uh, and, then, and then if, you know, after you've taken some time to think about it, if you still want it, go buy it. Now, the car salesman doesn't want to let you off the lot. He wants you to buy it before you leave. But we've become an impatient people. And everything's got to be done right now. But we need to learn to wait on God. You know what happens when we act impatiently? We get ahead of God. We're the kind, we're the kind of people today, we go to our, we go to our prayer place and get on our knees and pray about it and get up and we walk out and if God hasn't answered that question in a few minutes, we say, well, I'm just going to do this. And we go off and do what we want to do without waiting on the Lord. You know God has no... Time is irrelevant to God. Do you know that? God might take ten years to answer your prayer and to Him it's a blink of an eye. Be patient. So, uh, the psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, we read, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And so often we use that to, as a verse to talk about youth and strength and everything else. But what it's really talking about is waiting upon God. Wait on the Lord, and, and when the Lord is ready for you to do something, when the Lord has, has presented to you His answer, you will have the strength, and, the, and, and you'll, have, you'll have good course, and, and everything will work out according to the way the Lord wants it to work. But we have to learn to wait on God. Be patient. Um, pastors asked me to preach in a couple of weeks, and on Sunday evening I'm going to preach about this very thing right here. Having the right thinking on the will and purpose of God. And we need to learn to just be patient. You just, you just keep on living for God, you just keep on doing the right things, and you keep praying and you wait till God gives you the answer. And then your course will be, will be true. So wait. So first, uh, our suffering is appointed. But secondly, today I want us to understand our suffering is appropriate. Not only is it appointed by, by God, and, and you will suffer. We see that in Scripture. Don't, 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 don't walk through life saying, well, I might suffer someday. No, just walk realizing around every corner there could be a trial. There could be tribulation. There could be problems. Because Jesus said, they will come. 
But secondly, they're appropriate. Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And remember, that word suffering is, 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 is in, our, in our modern language, it would be more appropriately translated endure. So if we endure in Christ, if we, if we endure persecutions, if we endure in, in injustices, if we endure and, and, and not quit, we may also be glorified together with him. Now by appropriate, I mean that which is suitable for us as God's children. It is suitable for us to endure hardships for his cause and for his kingdom. Suffering suits a Christian. For when we endure hardships, we demonstrate our faith and courage. It's a privilege, by the way. It's, it's actually a privilege to endure hardships for Christ. The, the, I read it earlier. The, the apostles counted, counted it a joy to be worthy to suffer in his name. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a privilege to you and me to suffer hardships, to endure the hardships that we must endure in this Christian life for his name and for his cause. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, Paul wrote, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He, he told Timothy, he said, Timothy, endure the hardships afforded the Christian life as a good soldier, as a soldier would. So I jotted down a few, a few hardships soldiers must endure. The first one, letter A, is training. A soldier has to go through training. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 25, we read, we read, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Uh, Paul here is using the, uh, using the Roman Olympic athletes as an example. Think about it for a moment. Think about an Olympic athlete. How, they train for four years. Four years for one Olympics. Anybody know who Jim Ryan was? Anybody, anybody know Jim Ryan? No? Jim Ryan was the first American, he was the first human to break the four-minute mile. He was a high school student when he did it. He ran the mile in three minutes, 59 seconds, and he was the first person to ever break a four-minute mile. Jim Ryan, he, he was a Christian, by the way. Of course, that has nothing to do with the story, but he was a Christian. He is currently a United States senator up, up in, in New York. And Jim Ryan, uh, when, when he trained for the Olympics, he ran five miles every morning, five miles every night. He ran ten miles a day, every day. Snow, rain, sleep, didn't matter. He ran five miles every day. He trained for four years, running, running ten miles every day, for four years to running his first Olympics. 
and as it was in Mexico, and as he was coming around the, the, the turn on the last lap, he was tripped by another runner, and he fell to the ground. And he got up, and he finished the race, but he finished way down the line. He had just spent four years running 10 miles a day to be tripped in the last lap. Well, he decided he was going to run in the next Olympics. Started training again. Five miles every morning. Five miles every night. Ten miles a day. For four years, and about six months before the Olympics, he developed mononucleosis. And for an entire year, he was, he was sick. Missed that Olympics. He's now invested seven and a half years to run one mile. And he got better and decided he was going to try one more time. And he started training again. And in that final Olympics, he was running that race and he finished second. He didn't finish first. Now, 12 years back, he was a lot younger, a lot stronger. He probably would have finished first. But now, but he did, he did reach his goal. He didn't quit. But think about it for a moment. Think about all the training, all the work he did. Now, while he was training, he didn't eat ice cream and cake. And, and he, you know, he spent a, he took a big part of his life and prepared himself for that one opportunity. And this is what Paul is talking about. He said, they strive for the mastery. They're temperate in all things. They're, they're disciplined. They're, they don't eat the wrong foods. They, they, don't, they don't do the wrong things. They're temperate. And he said, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we should live that way to obtain an incorruptible crown. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he told Timothy, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You and I need to be disciplined. We need to be disciplined. But another, another hardship that a soldier endures is loneliness. Letter B, loneliness. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote, wrote, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, that God, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. At times, at times when we live for Christ, we are going to stand alone. By, we're going to be forsaken by all men. Listen, over the years, to, to do the things that needed to be done for the Lord in, in, my, in my life and in my family and in my home, I even stood at odds against my own wife and children. And, and, and wives and husbands, if you think at times your, your spouse is not going to stand against you, you're wrong. They will. At times you're going to have to stand alone. But a, a soldier has to endure loneliness. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 36, Jesus said, A man's foes shall be they of his own household. A man's foes shall be they of his own household. And thirdly, today I want us to understand that a soldier endures the hardship of death. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. For the soldier death lurks at every corner. He lives with the threat of death as his constant companion. Probably his, 
his closest companion. Yet he does not allow this threat to keep him from his service as a soldier. See, cowards quit. Did you hear me? Cowards quit. And I'm not trying to candy coat it. You quit on God. Don't come crying to me about how hard it was. Just, just go off somewhere and, and admit you're a coward. Did Jesus quit on us? You know, Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, think not that I could call unto my father and he would not send legions of angels at my side. But he didn't quit. The Bible says he set his sight on Jerusalem. He fixed his his face toward Jerusalem like a flint. And he did not quit. He was prepared to endure whatever he had to endure to fulfill the will of the Father. How dare we quit on him? I've had people come to me and say, I, I, just, I just don't know if I can keep going. My response is, how could you possibly quit? No, the soldier, the soldier knows that if he goes through that door, he could take a bullet in his chest and die. He goes through that door anyway. And a Christian, we realize that walking the Christian life is hard. It's difficult. It would be so much easier, we think, just to quit. But we have to keep going. We must, because it's appropriate for us to keep going. Our suffering is appointed. It is appropriate. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, uh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I choose I want not, for I am a straight betwixt two, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Paul said, for me to die is, is gain. Death, has no, death, death doesn't frighten me. Death gives me no threat. For when I die, I'm with the Lord. And when we have a, when we have a realistic grasp of that, then death doesn't frighten us. And nothing in life can hinder you from finishing your course for Christ. So our suffering is appointed, it is appropriate, and then thirdly, it is affirming. It is affirming. I don't have time to go through everything on this point. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. So that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. <clears throat> Let me just sum it up by saying this. The suffering that we face as believers, the hardships, the, the trials, the tribulations, they are simply, they are simply affirming to our, to our sonship in Christ. 
they are our assurance that we are children of God. So don't shy away from them. Don't be afraid of them. Jesus said, if the world hates me, it will also hate you. And matter of fact, they're going to hate us even more. Because we love him. Folks, our call to suffer. Now, again, quickly, our suffering, it's not, we're not talking about physical suffering. There are religions in this world that go around, people go around beating themselves and they crawl on glass and they do all these things because they, they think this is what it's meant by we're called to suffer, but that's not what it means. It means we endure. No matter what happens, we endure. Don't quit. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you I've never thought about quitting over the years. But the spirit within me just said, keep going. Keep going. All right, folks. Uh, thank you for your attention this morning, uh, and you're dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.